All right, guys and girls, welcome to our Cricket for Noobs podcast, where we discuss the ins and outs of cricket in a way everyone understands and enjoys. My name is Mackenzie Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Zen Yusuf. We will be talking about the past, present and future of cricket and the different variants that have improved the viewership. We are joined today by David Lucas, an ex-professional cricketer and currently coach on the club cricket team. He is also the winner of the NBC Dennis Company Award 2000 which is an annual award given to the most promising young player at each of the 18 first-class counties in the Wales. So, uh, David, what made you want to become a cricketer? Yeah, so basically a bit of a late start for me. More, more, more often than not, guys get involved in cricket, play through the age groups, um, and it follows trend, and they, they'll play under-18s, then get into the second team, then play. But I actually started working. Um, I finished school. Um, I was playing sort of village league cricket, if you like, on a Saturday um, working in the week, um, working for a printing company in the, in the sales department. Um, and then I did that for a year or two and I realised I was, I was starting to get a little bit better each year. Um, and I moved from playing village cricket to what was back then, um, Yorkshire League cricket. Um, and Yorkshire League was renowned um, for being the best sort of club cricket you could get in the country. Um, so I moved there, played for Rotherham. Um, and actually did all right. Um, again, still working in the week. Um, and at the end of the season, uh, Rotherham had an overseas player. Uh, his name his name was Sean Pope. Um, every, every club in that Yorkshire League had, had, a, had an overseas who come over and to be the star player, if you like. And, uh, and he um, invited me to come over to play for his club in Sydney. Um, so it was a big call for me in terms of well, do I stay and, and carry on trying to work because um, I was doing like a, a college thing as well, one day a week. Uh, or do I go to Sydney and give cricket a crack? Um, so I thought, right, I'm still young. I can, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'll come back and carry on working. But I thought, yeah, I'll go over there. And um, I played, I played Sydney. Uh, played for a club called Bankstown, which is um, a famous club of Steve and Mark War, um, two very famous uh, Australian cricketers. And just to see how it was done out there was was brilliant. They trained Tuesday and Thursday, whereas in this country, you probably get a handful of people come to training at Nets on a Thursday night. They're not that bothered, but it was took very seriously. There were five teams, not even including the youth. Um, Again, in this country, you're probably talking a first team and a second team. That's it, really. Um, just to see how, how it worked, a lot of training, playing on a Saturday and a Sunday really did um, help me, especially when I came back and then got back into cricket in this country. It definitely made a big difference going over there, uh, training and playing all that time. And, and when I came back, I was a completely different player from that. Yeah. So the training was really hard then? It was hard. It was proper, you know, um, it was just done so proper. Every club had a coach, um, whereas back then... This country wasn't really a coach. It was just your teammates getting together. You'd have a little bat for 10 minutes in the nets, a little bowl. But it was all structured nicely. You had a net. Um, they even had a net guy uh, just keeping tabs on times um, in these three or four nets just to make sure everybody got a bat. He was called a sort of a net captain. Then you had your batting coach. Uh, that batting coach would probably then join in with a fielding coach. And then there was always somebody to talk about the bowling side of things. But the numbers as well, they were so dedicated. I always remember, like I said to you before, it's nets in this country sort of, yeah, it starts off well when everyone's enthusiastic when the when the season starts. But as the season goes on, numbers dwindle. People can't be bothered to train and they just play on a Saturday. Over there, 
you're probably talking 40, 50 guys every single Tuesday, Thursday, dedicated. And they're not even being paid for this, by the way. This is just recreational cricket, just like over here. Um, just their dedication and their and their their determination for training and things like that. Very, very good. Very eye-opening. Do you feel like England has caught up with Australia then in that sense, and that people care more about cricket now than back then? Um, I think maybe what there was a big change, I think, when England won the Ashes uh, over in Australia. That's not been done for a, a long, long time. I forget what year it was, 2005 maybe. And I think that sort of woke up the nation and actually realised, ooh, we, we're, we're actually all right as a cricketing nation. Where, you know, over the years we've been battling against other teams and not quite there, and Australia were comfortably the better the better team in that era. Um, but I do think that Ashes kickstart... It did kickstart uh, a lot of interest, especially from from kids. You know, seeing England do well overseas, um, and there was a lot of media coverage on it because obviously they hadn't won for a period of time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I think it was good, really, really, really good. So you used to play indoor cricket. Yeah, indoor cricket, good one that um, many moons ago. That's that was really good for me and a, and a few other lads that made it as well um so what i used to do I used to go down to nottingham in baseford um and i used to umpire down there um but not only did i umpire down there sometimes what happened is you, you played um it was eight versus eight and there was always like a team that was short or something so the manager would say dave you play you play for this team and i'll umpire um so a lot of the times i'd umpire two games and then i'd play two games and then when, once it finished at sort of 10 o'clock, the, the courts were free. So we used to go on there as a couple of mates, mess about for another half an hour, bowling, batting. This is pretty much every night. Um, so we did a lot of that. And then there was a there was an indoor cricket team called Nottingham Bulldogs. Um, and we used to travel everywhere. Play, played Manchester, played Birmingham, Sussex, all over the place. And it was quite a competitive national league, they called it. Um and a, a lot of pros that played in the outside game played in the in, indoor game. Um, and I ended up getting in the Nottingham Bulldogs B team. There was a B team back then. Um, did all right in that, played in that for a year or two. Again, looking at the A team, you always wanted to get in that A team because there's you know, some decent players in there and it just looked really, really good. So you had, you had a little bit of a goal there to go towards and eventually got in that team. Um, did all right, held my own in there for a period of time. And then fortunately, played. Um, I played for England. We had a we had a World Cup in Australia. Um, I believe ninety seven. That's a long time ago. Uh, yeah, ninety seven. Played in the World Cup. Um, that was good. And then um, after that, we <laughs> it was called the Ashes in indoor cricket. So Australia came over to England um, and played in an Ashes series in in that as well. So yeah, uh, indoor cricket played a big big part. There's there's friends of mine that played in it. Paul Franks. There was a fellow called Noel Gee. I'm trying to think of Stephen Randall played, Paul Johnson. There's a lot of big names in uh, in, in cricket that you guys have probably never heard of, but they used to play. Uh, they used to play as well. Which it was good. It was really really good. But I think the good thing about indoor cricket, even now, because the game's changed so much, is the game was done in an hour and a half. You have to bat. You bat for four overs. You have to bowl. Everyone bowls two overs. And your field, so you get you're taking part in everything, but the game's done in an hour and a half. Whereas a normal cricket match, you're probably talking from starting at half past ten, walking off the field at six. So there's a it, it was awesome. There was a, there was a lot of guys that couldn't actually afford to dedicate that time to playing outdoor cricket through family, through work, whatever. So indoor cricket was was good for them because they still had a chance to play, um, but obviously not with the dedicated time that's needed.
So yeah, it was good. Yeah, indoor cricket was good times. Very good, very good as well for um, your skills, your skill levels. Um, it's, indoor cricket is a lot quicker than um, outdoor cricket. Uh, you only have to run half the length of the pitch to get in. Obviously, you're in a in a sort of a net cage, um, so it's all fast and frantic. The fielding is is lightning. Um, the ball swings and spins, and the batters have to have a certain technique, and that's a little bit different to outdoor the technique of batting. Um, but fundamentally, it's it's pretty much the same. You still have to play it late and things like that. So yeah, that was that was a big part of me growing up there and getting into cricket more and more. Um, and indoor cricket was a, was a big part of that. Uh, just a quick one there. You were telling us about how indoor cricket is fast-paced and that's mm. what made it good. Mm. Do you feel like this is why the 100 has been so successful because it's fast-paced, but outdoors maybe? I think uh, the thing on the 100, I think it's marketed very well for one. Um, I think they've done very, very well with that. It's new. Um, they've made it more simplified for people that don't understand cricket. So, for instance, like a lot of people are like, what's an over? Six balls to, you know, the people that know. But everyone's like, what's an over? What's this? But they've simplified it into a set of five balls. Um, lots of other simpler things to understand for the women, for the people that's not um, seen cricket before. Um, so I do think it's fast and frantic, definitely. But what I would say on that, um, I still I think the T20 is the same. It's, I mean, we're only talking, what, is it 10 balls difference between T20 and, and the 100, something like that? Um, I, th I think both are fast and frantic. Obviously, a lot quicker than watching a test match, uh, watching a 50-over a, a format game. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's almost... I think also in this is T20 and the 100, every single ball counts, whereas you, in test cricket played all day, you can get away with bad balls. You can get away with loose shots a little bit. But in T in T20 and the 100, every single ball counts because of the, you know, there's obviously less balls being played in that. And the 50 over thing, you know, you could, you could bowl a wide a wide ball and the batter would leave it in a, in a 50 over or a four day game. Whereas in the T20 and the 100s, they're throwing a lot of sits to try and get a four or six. There's nowhere to hide. Every ball counts. What was your favourite format of cricket to, yeah, to good play one. in? Good one. Um, personally, uh, I don't know if it's still the same, um, but I believe the longer format is the best. That For me, that's the true test. Um, now, in first-class cricket, it's four days. Um, obviously, test match cricket's five days similar. Um, but it's it's a true test. It's like a game of chess. Um, very tactical. Um, and it, in general... The, be the team that's played the best cricket wins, and I believe that that's that's a good thing. Whereas sometimes in T20, in 100, not necessarily the best cricket wins the game. It can be one piece of fielding or uh, one wicket might change it. But I think over the course of four days in the first-class game and over the course of five days in the Test match game, the best team that's played the best cricket always comes out on top. Um, and I do believe it, it definitely the true test, the true test. 100%, whereas, you know, like I say, the white ball stuff, um, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah. So with the release of the 100 in 2020, do you feel like it has revolutionised the sport and why? Mm. Um, well, I was still old enough when the T20 first came about. Um, and when the T20 came about, everyone was like, oh, what's this sort of thing? We didn't really take it seriously. It was just like, oh, it's just a just a knockabout, it's over and done within three hours and, and that's it. But T20 then became 
um, globally very successful. Um, me personally, I'm not a massive fan of the 100. I've seen a couple of games. Um, I would much prefer to see uh, time and effort plugged into the T20. In this country, we play far too much cricket anyway. We played far too much when I played. Now they're playing even more. Um, so, like I said, it's been marketed very well. It's been plugged very well. You know, they've got all the kits, they've changed the names. I get all that. That's that's all good and it makes it interesting to the youngsters. Um, makes it interesting to people that's, that's not seen it. And also, I think a big thing is when I was a kid, I used to watch cricket um, before being a pro. I used to watch cricket on normal terrestrial TV. Um, so me growing up through being a professional, it was always on Sky. So not readily available to the people that can't afford Sky. You know, so there might be uh, some people out in the street, some kids out in the street, not seeing the cricket, um, and they're not getting a love for it because they can't afford Sky. Whereas it was always readily available on the normal TV box, and I always remember as a kid being glued to it, watching every single game was on that TV. So what they've done with the hundred actually, they've spread it out a bit. So it's been a, a, a bit on Sky, and there's been a bit on um, normal TV, which is access to everybody. So that that was a clever thing as well. Um, Will it carry on in terms of being more prominent towards the T20? I don't think so, because one reason for me, T20 is global, played in all the countries. The 100 is only played in our country at present. Um, I know the players like it. I know it fills fills the stadiums. It put, puts bums on seats all the time. Um, but I, I'd, I'd rather have spent a bit more money on, on making our T20 competition, which is still a good competition, better. Uh, maybe jazz that up a little bit from a personal point of view, but How yeah. How would I do that? Um, I'd keep it franchised. They obviously franchised. You know, they, it's not. It wasn't caught Nottinghamshire or Yorkshire or things like that. They've changed it up to Manchester Originals, um, Trent Rockets. Give all these funky names, which brilliant. You know, you, you can still do that in the T Twenty. Um, you could have the auctions. You could do it exactly the same in the T Twenty. Um, what else? Um, other than that, there's there's not much. Like I said, there's, how many balls difference is it? Hundred, uh, twenty balls difference. So T twenty in any innings, it's twenty balls shorter. Is that really making a difference for me? No, I'd have just like I say, we play too much cricket in this country. Anyway, you speak to all the pros that are playing now; it's far too much. I'll give you an example. Uh, out in Australia, for instance, there's six states. Okay, they play probably ten. First-class games, the four-day stuff, uh, probably 10 one-day games on their T20 competition. Okay, so we play probably double that in our country. They can dedicate time to proper practice because there's a gap in between these games. So they can practice properly and prepare properly, get stronger, do it all properly. Actually, in the first-class game, when you're training, there isn't that much time to train. So when you're training, you're not training 100%. You're just ticking over. You're just ticking over because there's too much cricket. So I'm not a fan of it being brought in. I'd have just done exactly... The money they chucked at the 100, I'd have just chucked it at the T20, marketed it different how they have done with the 100. Yeah, changed the names up, stuff like that, but I'd have chucked it at the T20, not add the 100 because it adds more cricket to the guys that are playing. Do you feel like the T20 affected cricket as much as the 100 has because with like the stats with the the 100 mm. you see that the 90% of all the tickets were sold to kids mm. so getting more youth involved 
the women's game improved drastically with 267,000 people attending all, mm. all of their matches. But the T20 didn't seem to hit those those sort of numbers. Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, but again, I think it's all down to the marketing. I've been, I think they've been very clever marketing in this tournament. Um, they've jazzed it up, got hold of it, got it out there. They've got like um, the players in the town centres setting up a net, come and have a go, come and have a look at the Trent Rockets. They've just chucked a lot of that at it. What I would say when the T20 first came about, um, things didn't really... It, it was all right. It was just more of a slog fest, if you like. Batters were just take, taking a swing and, and hitting it. Whereas now, what you're seeing, batters, they can hit the ball 360 degrees for four or six. When the T20 first started, it was generally in front of the bat, over mid-off, over cow corner, over square leg, over cover. Now people are ramping for six, reverse ramping for six. So... I think the the talent um, and um, what what these batters are doing is is nowadays is from where when I finished is is much much better. Um, they're a lot more talented group in terms of batting. Um, so the bowlers literally your your margins for error when you're a bowler now is a lot smaller from when I played. You know, if, if I if I put a spot on, um, if I put the ball on the spot when I played, I might have half a meter if I missed that spot, and I'd still get away with half a decent ball. Now, if it's not on the spot, it's disappearing out of the park for for fours and sixes, um, and the boundaries are small as well, obviously, because they want to see boundaries. Uh, every, everybody in the stands likes to see the ball disappearing into the park. So, I don't think the hundred in terms of um, making cricket is better has done that. I think T20's done that and I think the 100 has been a been the, the final topping, if you like. The 100 are seeing more of that because of the T20. The T20, every year, the batters have got cleverer and better and now, because they're at such a level, they've been chucked into the 100 and, you know, that's what you're seeing now from, from them. So, with you being a cricket coach for under-12s, do you feel like there are more children aspiring to be cricketers nowadays than when you were a child? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was from a sort of a council school. Um, we didn't even play cricket at my school. Um, so the only really um, guys that play cricket are are the ones really at private school. Um, very much a dedicated sport in private schools. Um, so, yeah, but now um, I coach the 12s and I've probably got three or four that's in uh, that's in private schools and the others aren't. And that wouldn't happen in my day. Um, I was sort of a maybe one or two out of a out of a public out of a, out of a normal school out of a comprehensive school that played county cricket in the age groups the rest were like I say private school schoolboys because they they played but um one thing I do know is they they're definitely watching a lot more cricket than I used to watch because they oh they'll come to me and they'll say lads how are you doing before the session starts it's, oh did you see Joe Root did you see his innings the other day it was awesome or I don't know about Jimmy Anderson. Did you see him? Did you see his inswinger? Then his away. So they're talking a lot more um, about cricket and definitely watching it a bit more. And I do believe the England team um, are um, what's the word? When the kids see the England team play, they they do they do look at some of these players as heroes, um, and they've got it in their mind. Even at a young age, I want to be a Jimmy Anderson. I want to be a Stuart Broad. I want to be a Joe Root. Um, but it's, it tends to be the more exciting cricketers. Like, I mean, Alistair Cook, probably one of the best test openers in the world ever. You know, you don't really see a kid come up to you and say, 
yeah, I want to be like Alistair Cook. It's always those people that can hit it out of the ground, hit it 100 metres. There's all a bit of flair about them. Um, no offence to Alistair Cook. I think Alistair Cook's fantastic. Like I say, one of the best openers ever. But you don't generally see a kid go up to you and, yeah, did you see Alistair Cook's innings? He, he faced 300 balls and got 120. You don't really see kid, you don't really see kids doing that. All they, all they seem to be watching is white ball cricket. They don't tend to watch much of the red ball stuff, which you know I, I think that's down to the marketing plugin as well. Yeah, I, I, right. Right now, cricket is is on the up. You see a lot more children getting involved. Do you think cricket can catch up with other sports in that sense? Because now you see football crowds are massive. You know, it's probably was definitely the biggest sport in England. Can you see cricket? Reaching those heights in in the, the future. Yeah, I don't. I don't see cricket touching football. Football is comfortably uh, the number one sport uh, in the country. Uh, the money gap is different. Um, a lot more money in the football. You can see what the players are getting paid compared to the cricketers. Cricketers still get paid well. Don't get me wrong, but nothing compared to the football. Uh, you can see Sky Sports. They've got hold of it. Football, all sorts. They've jazzed it up. That's it's always on telly people watching it so I think they've done well I think cricket's come on big time um, you know you walk down in the summer you walk through West Bridgeford and there's kids wearing Trent Rockets t-shirts you walk in town there's a there's a dad and his lad wearing a Trent Rockets t-shirt you don't didn't see that in my day um, but I don't think he'll ever ever get to, to football um, but it's, it's done very well uh, compared to see where it's at at the minute yeah so why do you think cricket has the chance to maybe be the second top sport or anywhere near close to... Yeah, I do. I, I think definitely the way it's going. Um, I mean, the 100, um, the way that's come on board and you can see the interest, you can see the stadiums are packed out, you can't get tickets. Um, I know the stadiums in cricket in this country aren't that big. You know, you go to Australia, playing at Melbourne, it feels 80,000. This country, Trent Bridge, I don't know, what, 18, 19,000? There's not many that, that can can get the numbers that like they do it. I mean, football, you know, for instance, 60, 70, 80,000. They're always filling those stadiums. Manchester City, Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool, all fill those stadiums. Um, I do I do think it will get probably second. If it, I'll be surprised if it's not second now, if I'm honest. Um, you're probably, what, talking rugby. Um, that might be a little bit ahead of the moment. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I think... With the clever marketing, um, the people involved, um, the interest in the public, and the fact that it's a summer sport as well, so people can go down and have a few beers with their with their shorts and the t-shirts on, chilling out and in the nice sun. I don't see any reason why not. Absolutely not. No. I just want to take it back. You were talking to us about your time abroad. Mm. What what is that like being away from home for like for a while, being in Australia? Uh, daunting. Uh, when you first say, yeah, I'm jumping on the plane, first of all, you're like, flipping egg, I can't believe how far this is. I know it's halfway around the world, but you get off, you're jaded, and then all of a sudden, I think, I what was I, 17, 18, when it first happened, living at home with my mum and dad, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm in this country, and I'm fending for myself, and I know absolutely nobody apart from Sean, who I'm going to be living with, so... I would recommend it to any budding cricketer that has the chance to go and play in. I mean, there's other countries people go to uh, climate-wise. A lot go to South Africa, a lot go to Australia, New Zealand. Um, I think pretty much that's it. But I would 100% tell any budding young cricketer that's on an academy, um, an emerging players programme or close to making it, go out there because what it does, it, it makes you grow up as a person. You've got to start washing your own clothes. You've got to think about your food. 
blah, blah, blah. It's not just the cricket. Um, so you actually grow up as a person quite quickly because you've got no choice. And then you add to the fact the amount of training that's over there, uh, the games of cricket over there, the facilities over there and the pitches you play on over there are second to none. So it's an absolute no-brainer um, if you want to go over to these countries and, and try and excel at your cricket. Um, very much recommended to, to any young cricketer. So are you glad that you made the decisions but the rest of your life on the side for cricket and then move and go professional? I, to be honest, I didn't really think it just sort of happened. Um, working in the office, went abroad, got better, came back, got offered a summer contract back then. I don't think there's summer contracts now. That was, I don't know, something like 150 quid a week or whatever to keep the youngsters involved in the club where you're bowling the, at the nets at the first team batters and things like that. You play the odd second team game. Um, so, yeah, in a way, it just sort of happened. It was never a decision of, ooh, should I do this or should I carry on? working in the in the mailroom department, which was my last job uh, for a patents company, or do I do with a cricket? Obviously, being a young lad, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it, going, going to play the sport that you love or you, you sit, in a, sit in an office um, counting the letters and stuff. So I was, it just sort of happened. I was fortunate. Um, I had a talent. I did work hard at it. Um, unfortunately, I had some injuries along the way when I was a youngster, uh, growing up bodily-wise, um, back and ankle and things like that, which I think maybe hampered my progress because I was a I was a fast bowler back then looking back now I, I could bowl at 90 mile an hour just short of 90 mile an hour which you know that's people talk about that now as like wow that's that's quick uh, but it didn't last that long because of because of injuries so in uh, in uh, county cricket because there's so much cricket you sort of you sort of learn to operate at 80% um, if you operated at 100% in county cricket you would break down no, no, no doubt about it. As a bowler, it's physically impossible the amount of cricket they play to play 100%. So I reckon a lot of bowlers um, are probably operating at about 80%. It's changed a little bit now because there's a lot of it might be a red ball team and a and a white ball team. But when I played it, you were very much the red and the white ball were exactly the same teams. So you just had to find a way of getting through the season, and you play you you, you play 80% to get through. Um, the odd time you'd bump it up to 100% if it was on telly or whatever, you'd try a bit harder, but yeah. Telling us about those those injuries, obviously they affect your career. Yeah. What about mentally? What does that do to you when you want, you know, injury-wise? Yeah, not very good. Um, I struggled with it. Um, as soon as I was injured, I never wanted to watch any cricket. Um, I didn't want to see anybody else doing what I thought was my job, even though it was a teammate. Um so I just used to turn off. If I was injured, I'd go in, I'd see the physio, I'd do what I had to do in the gym and I'd go. Uh, I didn't like being stood around in, in a change room. I, and I also felt bad for being injured. Um, I wanted to get out there on the park and play and it just, it hurt me inside that, you know, someone's doing what I felt was my job. So there's a lot of guys that get injured, they'll they'll go see the physio, do the gym stuff and quite happy to be in the dressing room cheering on the mates. And that's not from a self, I'm not talking, I wasn't selfish in, in the slightest, I just... I just didn't like it. I didn't like watching it. Um, so mentally, it does play a part, especially if it's a lengthy injury. You know, if you if you're out of the game for a week or so, that's that's a bit different. But if you're out for a couple of months due to you know a lot of injuries are quite common in the back for fast bowlers, um, getting stress fractures and stuff like that, which is a, a timely rest. So you you can't really do anything, um, and you feel useless. Well, I felt useless. You know, other 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 guys handle those things differently, but I, I struggled when I was injured. So when you were injured, do you feel like you managed to bounce back from those injuries and then come back and play 
maybe not as well, but still to a good professional level. Well, you had to get to a certain level to get on, back on the park anyway. So, you, like, for instance, my injuries as a kid, uh, stress fracture, um, maybe two of those stress fractures had a, a groin problem. No one could ever get, get down and, and, and sort that problem out. I don't know what was going on, but no one could figure out exactly what the what was going on in there. But stress fractures, it, it's just a case of rest, rehab, getting stronger. In terms of getting on the park, playing better and things like that, or playing less... Um, I think your, your levels probably go up even more when you finish because I don't know if you'll allude on to it, but my cricket actually kicked in, my best cricket kicked in probably from 27, 28. So my stress fractures and stuff like that were 19, 20, 21. But my, my best cricket was sort of in the mid-20s. Um, but when you're injured, you go and get stronger. You go and get fitter. Um to hope that injury doesn't come back, so you're actually in a better place to perform better because your body's in a in a in a in a good place. So yeah, yeah, we were looking at your career and we saw that at the start, obviously injuries hampered your career, maybe slowed you down, and then you went to Northamptonshire and it started. It really, you really kicked on, started playing really well, got noticed. What what is that like being being maybe the star player? I wouldn't say I was a star player at Northampton. There's plenty more uh, better players than me, but it sort of clicked for me. And I believe the reason it clicked for me is initially when I was at Notts, I thought cricket was the be-all and end-all. I thought there was a be-all and end-all um, and I got sacked um, and I felt like I let everybody down. Uh, cricket's a bit different. you know. Your results are in the paper. Everyone in the world can see your results in the paper. Whereas you go to the office, you have a bad day, no one sees it. So when you get sacked, again, that's in the press. You see it, whatever. And I felt like a complete failure. I felt like um, I let my parents down, things like that. Um, and I was like, what the heck am I going to do now? Um, and I started working for a company um, selling uh, finance uh, for a Windows company. Um, out in Chesterfield my wife was working in the finance department there so I started there um, and I was like what am I going to do here I, I'm not sitting in this office I, I'm a manual person I can't I can't sit in an office it was killing me um, so I set up a, uh, a window cleaning company um, I'd say back then I was probably running away from everything I wanted to be my own boss I didn't want to answer to anybody I thought you know what this I'm just going to do I'm going to do this. It wasn't just windows we did we did you know guns faces software anything to do with that side we clean so I thought I'd set that up I'll be my own boss like manual craft I'll just get out of there and, and crack on with it. But then I trialed for uh, Northampton. So this company set up that's that started uh trial for Northampton and they offered me a year um a year deal to go and play and I'm like well I've just I've set up this com this company what do I do here? And I was like, because I was so down about cricket and getting sacked when I left uh, Notts, well, Yorkshire actually was the last one, sorry, not Notts. Um, um, I thought, am I going to enjoy this again? So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sign for three months and, I, and I'll, see, I'll see if I enjoy it or not because they were after a left arm and I was a left arm seamer. Um, so I decided to carry on the business um, as well as going to, um, to play cricket for three months. But it was the best thing I did because, like I said to you before, when I was at Knotts and Yorkshire, it was Yorkshire. It was it was a be all and end all. I, I felt nothing about anything else. I was going to be a cricketer for the next fifty years. <laughs> Obviously, not the case. Um, so actually, when I set this business up and I went back into cricket, I was more relaxed. I was like, mm, if this don't work, I've got this. I had, I've all, I always had something in the background. So actually, maybe because it made me chill out a little bit and 
relax. If I had a bad day, I was on the same even keel. If I had a good day, same even keel. There was no massive ups and downs. Uh, I didn't put any pressure on myself. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, hey-ho, you know, I'm back in the van sort of thing. And I actually, I stayed there for four or five years. At the time of my life, my statistics in my career were the best in in my career. Um, and I, I do put it down to having having that something um, behind me. And I, and I think that's a massive thing in cricket. As a lot of guys finish, um, especially the guys when I was a youngster, stars, you know, big, much bigger players than me, finishing playing cricket and just being lost. But fortunately nowadays there's um, things in places where, you know, there's careers, advisors, um, always to hand, always pushing you to go and do something other than cricket because it it don't last long. I mean, I, I played it for 17 years, whatever, professionally. It's gone in a blink of an eye um, and it don't carry on and on and on. And unfortunately, we're not in a in a state where, where professional footballers playing in the Premier League getting 100, 200 grand a week where we can just sit in our bums when we get to 35. You know, there's always, there's always going to be work to do. So I always say to anybody, any youngster, Carry on with your cricket, do your cricket skills, but always have something in the background because you've got enough time. Training days, 10 till 1, you know, you've still got time in the afternoon to go and study, go and do something. All right, in the summer it's different, you're playing, blah, 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 but training days, go and do something. Try, I think it will help you actually be a better cricketer doing something else outside the game. So do you feel like during your career you actually felt famous as in you'd walk down the street and people would notice who you were no absolutely not never felt famous um i've always been quite harsh on myself um i find myself i, I thought i was fortunate to be in the position i was in uh given the start you know no uh i wasn't at private school i was just in a comprehensive school cricket wasn't played never felt famous um but fortunate but i also i did work hard at the right times uh, maybe not when i was a youngster but as i got older i did work hard um, so yeah, not not so much famous. I mean, the, your famous guys are the internationals and, and and the guys you see on there. But I get I used to get a little bit starstruck sometimes when you were bowling against these internationals. You know, every county had a couple of overseas that, you know, some some were. You know, I, I watched them on TV and were like, flipping heck, I'm actually bowling to this bloke." And you know, if you if you do get them out, you're like, "Wow, how's that happened?" Sort of thing. But but yeah, I was um, I was never full of confidence. You know, a lot of guys were full of confidence. I was pretty much the other way around, really. So. So yeah, do you look back on your career and re regret anything you did? Mm. Um, yeah, probably as a kid, um, I probably went out a little bit too much and enjoyed it. Um, you know, I was I was from a background where we didn't have a lot of money, and as soon as I started getting a bit of money in my pocket, it was always uh, inviting to go to the clubs on Monday and Saturday and Sunday and Fridays. So probably the party lifestyle had a great time. Again, we were we were all. When I was at Knox, we were all pretty much the same age of six, seven, eight of us, a core group. Everyone got on well. and It was just like a mini family. It was always out together, trained together, played together, stuff like that. So I reckon if I'd have put the hard yards in as a, as a younger guy, um, who knows how far I would have got. I put the hard yards in in my mid-career and towards the end of my career to, to maintain. Um, but I wish that I did, I did that a little bit earlier, to be honest. Definitely. So we know that you made the mutual decision to terminate your cricket contract in order to pursue your family window cleaning business pristine clean. Um, are you glad that you made that decision? Um, yeah, funny time. That was at Worcester. So I signed a three-year deal, um, but yeah, I st started off all right, first half a year, um, and then didn't play after that. Um, 
didn't play in their second season. Did well in the T20 actually for them. Um, my stats in the T20 was was quite high at one stage. I think I had the best stats in the country for a seamer um, out of all the clubs. When we got to the quarterfinal and we got uh, annihilated by Yorkshire, but um, it didn't work out for many reasons. I'm not going to go into them, um, but. It wasn't just the window cleaning business that I set up uh, was the reason. Actually, one of the main reasons was my wife was pregnant um, and I was travelling from uh, from Nottingham to Worcester um, pretty much all the time. And it's not just in the summer. I was doing that in the winter as well because the winter training started in November. So from November through to um, the end of September, travelling all the way Nottingham to Worcester and obviously jumping on the bus and going, going to these away games. And I, I got to the stage where I was like, I don't want to do. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. This travelling is killing me. Um, wife's pregnant. You know, we've been trying for a long time to have a child. So, I thought I'm not missing out on this baby time. Uh, there's, no, there's no chance. So, um, when my son came along, it was it was a it was a good decision made. Um, a little bit. I was obviously a little bit disappointed how it finished at Worcester for for reasons I can't go into detail. But. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that move to Worcester would have would have gone a lot better, um, but yeah, unfortunately not. Right, David, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Um, I just wanted to ask you one last thing: what is your message to aspiring cricketers out there who who are trying to become a pro like yourself, but just m- maybe haven't had much success so far? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say play as much cricket as you can. Go and train in the nets without any failure. Don't think about get if you're a batter. Don't think about getting out. Play all your shots in your nets. Bowlers, if you want to be a fast bowler, action dependent. If your action's fine, bowl as fast as you can. If you're a young spinner, just spin it. Just spin it. That's all I want you to do. Just spin it. You see a guy called Rahan Ahmed. I played with him a couple of years ago at um, at Cavaliers. He's playing Test cricket for England now, and he just. One thing I always remember about Rahan and his brother, he's got a young brother called Fahan, who I coached uh, under-12s. They've got a smile, a big grin, every time they're playing cricket. All right, so the first fundamental point for me, for any young kid, you've got to enjoy cricket. All right, it's that don't put pressure on yourself. Every time you train, go and play. You play with a smile on your face and you enjoy it. I always believe a happy cricketer is a good cricketer. Um, young kids can put pressure on themselves parents can put pressure on the kids uh, to perform which you know they it can it can make it can make them paralyzed you know you go out there and express yourself you've seen people like um, Brendan McCullum coming into the England fold he's he's just basically go out and express yourself you're in the entertainment business now granted the kids aren't on TV or whatever but it's still it's a game cricket's a game go and express yourself go and do things that you want to do but first and foremost, enjoy it, train hard, um, and dedicate time to it because it's a bit of a different sport to most sports. You know, football's ninety minutes, rugby eighty minutes, cricket's a lot longer than that. Um, so you've got to be dedicated towards it as well. Definitely. Thank you very much, David. It's been absolutely great having you on the podcast. I wish you the very best of luck with all your future endeavours. Uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Please like and share. Yeah.